Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. As we begin, I simply want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Listen, I actually want to share a revelation with you that dramatically changed my life several years ago. So if you're taking notes uh, today, I've just simply entitled this, Through the Eyes of a Pharisee. Now, you you know when we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, we repeatedly see a group of people mentioned that are known as the Pharisees. Now, Maybe you have heard of them before, maybe you haven't. Uh, but before we you know, really dive in, I want to give you several facts uh, about these guys so we can all be on the same page. The word Pharisee actually means separated ones or devoted to God. Now, at first glance, that looks incredible. But uh, when you take a deeper look, you actually find out that the Pharisees were very strict, very rigid, and a very self-righteous group of people. And it was actually from that self-righteousness that they constantly considered themselves as better or holier than anybody else. Uh, Another thing about the Pharisees is this, is that uh, from that position of self-righteousness, they were very vocal in using their spiritual influence to disempower uh, the Jewish people where they're extremely legalistic teachings. And the last thing I want to point out is this, is is these guys really, really, really didn't like Jesus. Uh, Why, you may ask, let me just say it this way, that the the Pharisees and Jesus saw things differently. And by things, I mean they saw people differently. You see, the Pharisees were unique people because they had this rare ability to size people up for what they saw on the outside. And and these guys actually enjoyed pointing out the dirt in people's lives. In fact, they were uh, great at making people feel small, making them feel inferior. Uh, It was almost like they delighted in telling people that they had this uh, pitiful place in society. And, you know, they also had this habit of labeling people by their words. In other words, they would say things like this, uh, you are unclean or they would point out and just call you a sinner. Now, as we can see, a Pharisee refused to see past a person's shortcomings. They refused to see past people's weaknesses, their failures, and even their sins. It it was as if the Pharisees lived to, you know, strip a person of their dignity, to strip them of their worth and of their value. Now, Pharisees not only had a disdain for people like the prostitutes and the people that they called vile sinners, uh, you know, of their society. But they also hated another group of people, maybe even more than them. And they are simply known as this, the tax collectors. Now, exactly who were the tax collectors? Tax collectors were considered as the sellouts or the traitors of the Jewish people. Here's why. It's because they, being Jews themselves, literally abandoned their people to go work for the Roman Empire. In short, what they did is they they partnered with the Romans in the oppression of the Jewish people. You see, their job as tax collectors was to collect uh, income tax, import tax, export tax, property tax, crop tax, sales tax, emergency tax, and so on. That kind of makes you feel thankful, doesn't it? And to make matters worse, uh, these hated tax collectors were notorious for taxing the Jews 
for more money uh, than they were actually supposed to, which meant this, that they would turn over the required amount to the Romans and then they would actually pocket the rest for themselves. So in essence, these guys were getting rich off their neighbors while they were driving those same neighbors into a greater level of poverty. So these guys were hated and treated similar to the worst kinds of sinners in the Jewish culture. In fact, the Pharisees uh, wouldn't even refer to a tax collector as a human. Uh, you know, they were uh, you know, notorious for actually referring to the tax collectors as nothing but a bunch of dogs. Let's take this one step further. Uh, a Pharisee wouldn't even look at a tax collector. In fact, he viewed it as a sin to do so. You know, another thing that they did was this, is that as a Pharisee would walk by, uh, you know, the booth that's sitting there in the marketplace where the tax collector collected money, uh, they would literally come by and they would literally spit at them as they threw their money at them. You know, to sum all this up, uh, the tax collector was simply this. He was the richest man in town. Just trying to give you, let you get a picture here. He was the richest man in town, but he was also the loneliest. Uh, because in reality, he was at the bottom of the barrel in the Jewish culture. All right, I said all of that to bring us to this point. When you put all three of them together, meaning a bunch of self-righteous Pharisees, uh, you know, uh, hated tax collectors and Jesus, when you put all them together in the same location, you have an opportunity to learn some really interesting things. And that's what we find here in Matthew chapter 9. If you can't look at this with me, please. It says this in verse 9. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, watch this, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. It says, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. So Matthew got up and he followed Jesus. It says in verse 10, Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table, where? In Matthew's house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Verse 11, it says, And when the Pharisees, watch this, when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I told you they see people different. It says in verse 12, it says, When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And it says, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want us to notice something here. We are reading from the book of Matthew. That means this, that Matthew, the tax collector, is actually the one writing about his own calling and conversion here. While we know that the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke, you know, have the same account, Matthew's account actually points out something very different. In fact, this is significant in what we're talking about today. If you notice that in the book of Matthew, it says, as Jesus passed by, he saw, keywords, a man. Whereas Mark and Luke simply say that when he passed by, he saw a tax collector. Here's the point I'm trying to make to you today is that Jesus sat down that day and he fellowshiped with Matthew because he saw him as a man. He saw him as a real person that was created in the image of God, not some wretched, awful tax collector sinner. While on the other hand, 
All the Pharisees saw, if you remember what we read, was a despised dog. They saw someone that was nothing more than some disgraceful piece of trash. But when Jesus looked at him, this is so cool to me. When Jesus walked by the booth that day, all he could see was a future disciple, a future apostle, a future world changer, a future author of the book of Matthew. Now, here's the ironic part about all of this is that we know biblically that there came a time where the Holy Spirit came upon Matthew and he was literally inspired by God to write this letter that we know as the Gospel of Matthew. Now here's something that's pretty neat. The Gospel of Matthew is actually written to Jews. It's written to the Jewish people. If I can say it another way, it's actually written to the people that hated his guts. And, and what's so neat here is actually when you read, you know, the 28 chapters that are in the book of Matthew, one of the main themes is simply this. It, it is him talking about the Messiah, Jesus, right? The, the very one who what? Who loves the Jewish people. How could Matthew, this guy that was a tax collector that was hated by all these people, write about the love of God? It was simply because he experienced it firsthand. Isn't that so cool? You see, Jesus' eyes saw past the dirt of Matthew's shortcomings and mistakes. And he saw the gold. He saw the gifts. He saw the destiny that the Father deposited him before the foundations of the earth. Now, here's what's interesting. Matthew, the name, actually means a gift of God. You, you see, in short, I believe Jesus knew that he was created by God himself to be a gift to the human race. Here's the point I want to make is that all Jesus did that day from the kindness and the compassion in his heart was simply remind Matthew that he had a God-given worth to the Father. That, that literally, that, that all he said was, look, you're God's son and he loves you. And, and once he encountered the love of God, he left it all behind. It didn't matter anymore that he was the richest man in town. Uh, what mattered is this man that God loved him and God was calling him. Now, I, I think it's important for us to understand today that uh, Jesus, the reason he could come and treat him differently was because he saw him different. See, Jesus didn't get called up once again on what was on the outside because he was too interested in what was on the inside. He was too busy looking at, you know, looking at what was in Matthew's heart. You know, this is in alignment with a scripture that I'm sure most of us know really well. But it says this in 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man, or we could say for Pharisees, Look at the outward appearance, but the Lord, Jesus, right, looks at the heart. You know, it's imperative that we understand that uh, Jesus never tried, you know, back then and he doesn't today. He, he, he never uh, tried to strip people of their dignity, never tried to strip people of their worth or their value. And the reason is, is because he was too busy trying to restore it. You know, we see this in Acts 10, 38. I love this verse. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all, get that, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now, in light of that scripture, listen to what Jesus said about himself in Luke 4, 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are, here's our word again, those who are 
oppressed. Notice that he didn't come to point out people's problems and their issues. He came to simply set them free. Once again, so different than a Pharisee. Okay, so I said every bit of that so I could ask you one question today. Now, to be clear before I ask you this question, uh, you know, I, I don't want to know about your coworkers. I don't want to know about your friends at school. Uh, you know, I don't want to know about those people you go to church with or even people that are in your own family. I want to know today about the person that looks back at you every day when you look into the mirror. Here's the question. When you look at yourself, do you see yourself through the eyes of a Pharisee or do you see yourself through the eyes of Jesus? I'm asking, do you see yourself through the eyes of a Pharisee? Do, do you refuse to look past your shortcomings, your failures, your weaknesses? Are you constantly wondering if you measure up? Uh, you know, do you feel like you have to perform to be accepted? Are you always wondering if you are appreciated? Do you find yourself wondering if you fit in? Do you find yourself asking yourself again and again and again, who am I? In other words, do you find yourself wrestling with self-worth? Or do you see yourself through the eyes of Jesus? In other words, can you see and are you fully convinced of your great value, your uh, priceless worth, your wonderful significance? Do you see the gold that resides in you? Do you see your awesome destiny? Are you fully persuaded that you are a gift to the human race? In other words, I'm asking, do you know your own worth? See, can I be honest with you? I, I spent most of my life, really a lot of years, before salvation and after salvation, uh, seeing myself through the eyes of a Pharisee. I, I you know, constantly looked at myself in the mirror and all I could see was all of my, all of my mess, all of my junk, all the things that, uh, you know, that maybe some people saw, maybe they didn't, but all the stuff that was on the inside that I just didn't like about myself. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I began to realize, man, I have great significant uh, worth as a child of God. And, uh, you know, and I didn't find that, you know, significant worth by looking into a mirror. I actually found it in by looking in the eyes of our Creator. And, and when I looked into the eyes of our Creator through the prayer, through prayer, through the Word, through worship, uh, I saw somebody that really, really loved me. And so, listen, I, I want to close today by reading a passage that connects our value in the kingdom with the current situation that we are all walking through. But because, because listen, before I read this, if we don't understand uh, you know, who we are through the eyes of Jesus, we'll never connect ourselves to the scripture I'm about to read. And so let's look at it in Matthew chapter six. This is Jesus talking. He said this, he said, look at the birds. It says, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. It says, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And it says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. It says, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Come on, let that get in you today. He'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate 
the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. He already knows. This isn't catching him off guard. He already knows your needs. In verse 33, it simply tells us to do this, to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So with all that in mind today, I just simply want to close by praying for you. But as we pray, please remember that your Father loves you and, and He doesn't see you the way that maybe you always see yourself or He doesn't uh, see you maybe the way other people see you. Uh, but He actually loves you and He adores you. And just as He went after the tax collector named Matthew and, uh, you know, because He was a gift, He's coming after you too because He loves you as well. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you love us. Father, we thank you that uh, today, God, even, even as we're in our own homes, even we're as, at, a, at a distance from one another, God, we thank you today that you still have the power, God, to break off, God, mindsets, break off, uh, you know, negative thought patterns, maybe how we see ourselves. But Lord, I'm just asking you today, God, for my brothers and sisters, God, that they would begin to see God, themselves the way you see them. God, they begin to see themselves not through the eyes of a Pharisee, but through the eyes of Jesus. And Father, I pray today, God, in your name, God, that literally your glory would rest upon them. God, your value, your worth, God, your gold, God, just, the, just a revelation, God, of who they are in the kingdom and who they are to you. God, I pray for a revelation and increase in all of that today. Jesus, we love you. We bless you. Thank you for what you're doing in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us again today. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.